morning everyone. Um, I'd like to wish a, a warm welcome to those returning for the first time and to any visitors that are here this morning. A welcome too if you're watching online and to those listening by telephone. A uh, few notices. Um, be a reminder that masks should be worn at all times during a service unless you have exemption. Uh, and although social distancing is no longer in force uh, downstairs, can we ask that you leave space between uh, folks, particularly as you leave? Um, as you can see from the order of service, the Girls Brigade meet on Wednesday at 6. Uh, a big thanks to all who gave to uh, Gift Sunday. Uh, an amazing uh, £1,525 was donated and this is truly appreciated. Uh, and just before I hand over to Scott, uh, some sad news. Uh, Myra McCormack sadly passed away uh, this week. And our thoughts and prayers are with Pat and the family at this time. So I'll hand over to Scott now. Well, thanks much, Billy. We're going to worship together in our opening hymn. This is a, a beautiful old gospel hymn. How marvellous, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. How marvellous, how wonderful, is my Saviour's love for me. So let's stand as we worship together.
Well, I love that chorus. How marvellous, how wonderful is my Saviour's love for me. Let's unite our hearts in prayer. Oh, our gracious and eternal triune God, in your presence is an eternity of love, joy, peace and rest. And so this morning we desire to enter your heavenly gates and those eternal courts of your presence. Oh, with such thanksgiving and praise, for we rejoice in your goodness and we marvel at your steadfast love which endures forever. And oh, how we delight in your faithfulness. Lord, we acknowledge you as the only true and living God, the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity. Yet, Lord, you are the one who gave your only begotten Son, who created us, who lived, died, and rose for us, and who ascended on high and now prays for us. And Lord, it is because of Christ, our heavenly temple, that we can now enter your presence with boldness and with confidence. Lord, in ourselves we feel weak, and maybe that sense of unworthiness. Therefore, Lord, will you carry us into your heavenly chambers, oh, where we may experience the love of God afresh and to know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship and the power of the Holy Spirit. O oh Lord, pour your Spirit upon us. Bring refreshing. Revive our souls. O oh, that we would live again for your glory. And so, Lord, in you, our fountain of life, Streams of mercy flow. Oh, let us know the sweet taste of forgiveness, mercy and joy. And may we find in Christ this morning a sanctuary of rest, of love and of grace. And so, Lord, open our hearts. For we desire to hear your voice. And so, Lord, help us to hear your word through the enabling power of your Holy Spirit. Oh, may we receive it, feed upon it, and be sanctified through it. And so, Lord, as you hear our prayers, we also unite our hearts in the Lord's Prayer, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well this morning we're going to take our Bible reading from the Old Testament book of Ruth. 
Ruth chapter 1. And I'm just going to read to you the first five verses. And then we'll read from John's Gospel in chapter 6. Ruth chapter 1. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, his wife's name Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malan and Kilian. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about ten years, both Malin and Killian also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. Amen. And also we read in John's Gospel in chapter 6, there at verse 32. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life and I will raise him up at the last day. Amen. And may the Lord bless us the reading of his precious word. Well, over the centuries, many see the book of Ruth as a beautiful romance, and so it is. But it's more than that. At the heart of the book of Ruth, we understand that God is love, and that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Here in these chapters, we celebrate God's covenant love. Therefore, this morning, we turn to our reading in the Gospel according to Ruth. Here, chapter 1 begins by setting the scene. We are in the days of the judges, when the clan chiefs or the tribal chiefs governed. And so we know from the book of Judges that these were dark and very angry days. Go through Judges and we see the repeated battles, the repeated disobedience, the repeated cycles of sin and sorrow and death. Judges even ends with a concubine from Bethlehem being raped and abused by the Benjamites. And as punishment, the Benjamites were almost wiped out. Only a few hundred men were left. And so Israel agreed to show mercy and provide wives. And so Judges concludes... In those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as he saw fit. 
Yes, it was a dark and angry time. Israel had no king, and Israel were in crisis again. But more, the royal messianic line was also in crisis. God had promised a greater prophet than Moses, a greater priest, a greater king than David. Well, despite the darkness and the threat to the messianic branch being cut off, the book of Ruth shines brightly through the night sky. In the book of Ruth, we see so clearly the sovereignty and the providence of God. We get to behold the God of all hope, our blessed God who desires to bless. In the book of Ruth, we see the God who keeps covenant, Yahweh, El Shaddai, the God who is kind and gracious, the God who cares and desires to bless the foreigner as well as the children of Israel. We don't see God verbally declaring, I love you. The word there for love, Ahav, is only used once at the end of Ruth, where the people say to Naomi, better to have one daughter-in-law who loves you than seven sons. But what we do see is God demonstrating his love, where the nature of God's love is rooted in the Hebrew word hesed, which fills the book of Ruth. Throughout Ruth, God shows such devotion, commitment, compassion, kindness, love, grace and mercy. We also understand that God is not going to break his covenant promise, for Christ the King is coming. Oh, the messianic line, the branch is not going to be broken. And so as we begin our reflections in the book of Ruth, and as the book of Judges ends in a time of crisis, we understand why the book of Ruth now opens in a time of crisis. We're left at the end of Judges asking, what about God's promises? What about the promised Messiah? What about the prophet like unto Moses? Has the royal scepter really left Judah? Well, the book of Ruth is there for God's response to the crisis. In the opening verses, we therefore see Naomi and her family in crisis. Well, Naomi's situation is bleak. During 70 years of Philistine rule, a severe famine strikes the land of Canaan. The writer, in a way, personifies the famine, as we see the famine stalking the land, prowling and looking for its prey, and now targets Bethlehem, the house of bread. Well, the famine now drives Naomi and her family into the land of Moab. And shortly after going to Moab, Naomi's husband, Elimelech, dies. How interesting that Elimelech means my God is king. And so he dies. Despite her loss, she has her boys though. Malon, which can mean sickly, and Killian, which can mean pining or finished. Well, her hope was that they would marry and carry on the family line. Well, in Deuteronomy chapter 7, Moses gives instruction that Israelites are not to marry the Canaanites because they would lead the hearts of their sons and daughters away from the Lord. Also in Deuteronomy chapter 23 at verse 3, an Ammonite or a Moabite shall not enter into the congregation of the Lord. Even to their tenth generation shall they not enter into the congregation of the Lord forever. Well, Naomi's heart must have sank as we read that her sons marry Moabite women. And after ten years, well... There are no grandchildren for Naomi. And now we read that her two sons die. Oh, could things get any worse? Her husband Elimelech was now dead. Malon and Killian had died. 
to Naomi, everything had died. Her dreams, her visions, her health, her wealth, her husband, her boys. This was their life. Well, when it rains, it certainly pours, doesn't it? Well, what more can go wrong? Well, Naomi is left empty and feeling so alone and extremely bitter. Although Naomi doesn't feel it or know it yet, God really loves Naomi and soon he will demonstrate his love towards it. And so as the book of Ruth opens with Naomi's crisis, we now have Naomi's response to the crisis. She decides to return home. Well, while in Moab she heard that God had visited or intervened for her people in Bethlehem, or more literally, Yahweh graciously looked after his people. Yes, the famine was ending. A beacon of hope begins to shine. God is gracious. These verses remind me of another crisis there in Genesis 45, when Joseph experienced one storm after another. He had known such a fullness of life, but then was left empty in a prison cell. Yet God in his providence would use this crisis to bring Joseph to Egypt to feed a hungering world and to preserve his people as God in his grace would provide food for them in the days of famine. Well, as Naomi prepares to return home, her daughters-in-law join her on the road from Moab to Judah. And although these three women had intended to go to Bethlehem together, Naomi has a change of heart. It could also be that she planned it, since she knew it would be harder to say farewell while in Moab, knowing her daughters-in-law would try and persuade her to stay with them. But we now see Naomi pronouncing a blessing upon Orpah and Ruth, encouraging them to return to the house of their mother. It's an interesting phrase. Normally you would say the house of your father, but here Naomi, she's being specific. She's not just offering a blessing that they may find safety and security back in their family home. No, she refers to the house of their mother. Here she talks of the blessing of marriage again. And so, after returning to their mother's house, oh, that they would find rest in the house of their husband. And so here Naomi encourages her daughters-in-law to find love again and to know God's richest blessing. Well, Orpah and Ruth give such a loud wail. It was a death cry. For the girls, it was another death blow, and so they refuse. But Naomi persists. For Naomi, she realises that she's been condemned to a life of poverty. She has no inheritance, no security. She's also crushed by her circumstances. Widowhood now is going to be her permanent lot. And sadly, she also feels cursed by God. She complains that God has dealt harshly with her. Naomi saw her future as bleak, empty and dark. A life of despair, dread and bitterness would be her future. When Orpah gets a glimpse of such a dark future, she gives a farewell kiss to her mother-in-law and returns to Moab. Well, Orpah walks away. She's still crying loudly as she returns to her own home in Moab. Well, Naomi had painted such a bleak picture, but it was a picture without Christ, her King. The book of Ruth reminds us whatever we have gone through in life and whatever we are going through right now and whatever darkness we may face in the future, 
With Christ in the picture, oh, there is light, there is hope, there's a new beginning. As the children's chorus says, with Jesus in the boat, you can smile at the storm. Well, I love the prophecy of Micah. He gives a wonderful vision of the future, but it's a future with Christ the King in it. Micah chapter 5, verses 2 to 5, we read, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Therefore Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labour gives birth, and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth, and he will be their peace. But look now at Ruth's response. Yes, Orpah wept and walked away, but now we read that Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. Oh, do not pressure me to desert you. Ruth said that if Naomi dies in Bethlehem, she would not move back to Moab. Why? Well, she wasn't just clinging to Naomi. She was clinging to Naomi's God. Naomi had painted such an awful picture of God. He's a God who deals bitterly with me. He's a God who will come against me. He will strike me, my family, my possessions. He's a God who has come against me. Yet Ruth responds, But I want God. I want the God of Israel. I want the God of the Bible. I want Yahweh, Jehovah God, El Shaddai. I want him to be my sovereign king. That was the heart of Ruth. For Jesus Christ is Lord and King. Oh, whatever your future, I will be at your side, she told Naomi. The book of Ruth therefore begins in a time of crisis where there was no king in Israel. But as we come to the end of Chapter 1, Ruth declares, God is my king. Well, with God now in the picture, what a transformation. Naomi, she stopped speaking, and both went on now to Bethlehem. But notice, it's harvest time in Bethlehem. It's a time of new beginnings. Everything's different. Life is beginning to flow again. Fresh bread was back in Bethlehem, the house of bread. And so as they came into Bethlehem, Naomi became the gossip and the talk of the town. They didn't recognise her at first. She wasn't the Naomi who was so full of life. Is that really you, Naomi? But Naomi responds to the women, Don't call me pleasant. Don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. Call me bitter. I remember my life being so full, but now I'm empty. I'm no longer the pleasant Naomi. I'm so deeply bitter, especially against God. Well, notice how she justifies why she feels bitter. For Yahweh has dealt harshly with me. Yahweh's own hand has come against me. And Shaddai has made me bitter. Yes, she blames God. She blames El Shaddai. But don't be too harsh on Naomi. She's very real and very honest in where she is. In Genesis, when God visited Abraham, we read, Then God said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. You will become a great nation, even many nations. Kings will be among your descendants. Well, Naomi didn't feel blessed, quite the opposite. Yes, she felt condemned, crushed and cursed. 
to Naomi, the promise-keeping God has broken his promises. I once was full and now I'm empty. Some covenant-keeping God. She's almost lost faith and is struggling with her unbelief. And therefore she declares, I'm extremely bitter. Well, in contrast, when we consider the life of Joseph and all that he went through, he could easily have turned bitter towards God. But no, Joseph surrendered to the providences of God. And here we see the beautiful character of Ruth in a similar vein, trusting her life to the sovereign purposes of God. Well, the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter 8, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, For your sake we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Well, today we live in dark and angry days. Much of the world has turned their back on God. We face storms, pandemics, famines, a climate crisis. For many, the future looks so bleak. With Naomi, you may feel God as king has died. But please let me share the good news this morning. Jesus Christ, our king, he lives. And because he lives, I can face tomorrow. The word of God declares that we have a glorious future when we know Christ, our king. And so the book of Ruth, oh, it's a beautiful love story reminding us Christ, our king, is coming. And he's coming for his bride, the church. And as we are reminded in the book of Revelation, the bride must prepare herself. And so in the remaining chapters of Ruth, we will see the bride preparing herself for Boaz. And so in these days, will you look to Christ, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords? Oh, fix your eyes upon him. Hold tightly on to him. Trust him. Receive him. Oh, embrace him as your King of Kings. And be assured, he'll never let you go. Oh, may God bless you. Amen. Calling, O sinner, come Is calling, calling for you and for me. See on the portals, he's waiting and watching, watching for you and for me.
tarry when Jesus is pleading, pleading for you and for me. Why should we linger and heed not his mercies, mercies for you? We were delighted to join with our format organist Gordon Stevenson and his wife Susan as they brought Marie to be baptised. 
Well, please continue to remember Gordon, Susan, Ewan and Marie in your prayers as they plan to return to Phoenix in the coming weeks. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. to lead us in our intercessory prayers. Thanks, Helen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come boldly to your throne of grace through our Lord Jesus. We thank you for your amazing love for us and for bringing us into your family. We ask a blessing on all our church family and thank you that we can come together to worship you. We remember in particular Gordon and Susan and their wee family and pray a, sp a special blessing on Murray, who was baptised last week. Give them a safe journey back to Arizona. We pray for our brothers and sisters who have recently lost loved ones. May they know your comfort and peace and find refuge in you. We pray for those who are ill and cannot meet with us, and we ask for a touch from your healing hand, and may they know your strength and presence with them. Help us all as your family to reach out with love and care for each other when we can. O oh, Father, your world is broken and hurting. Each day we hear of more lives being lost through crime. We pray for those who have been bereaved. May they know the comfort and peace only your Holy Spirit can give. All over our world, there are people who feel forgotten and hopeless, where children are abandoned and hungry and has lo have lost everything through wars and strife. Lord, may justice flow down like a river. And we pray for a mighty outpouring of your Holy Spirit from heaven. May we as your church seek your face and hear your voice and be obedient to your call on our lives. Revive us again, Father, that we will rejoice in you and bring hope to a lost world with the good news of Jesus. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In your mercy, hear our prayer, as we ask all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Well, thank you so much, Helen, for leading us in our intercessory prayers. Well, we're now going to sing together in our closing hymn, Will Your Anchor Hold?
And so may grace, mercy and peace from God our Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. Thank you.